Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. Today, I have the distinct honor in introducing Dave Sethi, who is the head of sports at Instagram, was at Complex before. We met back when I was like three years old. <laughs> but my friend, it's great to have you. Uh, great to see you. Uh, I know we were talking right before this. Uh, looking forward to and even the next time when we can do this in person. Uh, but no, great to see you. Happy to hear that you and your family are staying safe and healthy and that you got this podcast up and running and, uh, and I'm honored to be a guest on it. Uh, so thank you for having me. Likewise. And thank you. Do you, it, it's still crazy to me that you even said yes to meeting me because at, <laughs> when I was, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old, I used to go to these venture capitalist, uh, like meetups where a bunch of tech people would meet up and I'd just walk up to random people and introduce myself and this one guy, Brian Sealander, who's a legend, um, and he's he's brought me a bunch of opportunities over the years, but um, he was just like, you need to meet this guy. Uh, and I was like, I love Complex. And he put us on an email, and for whatever reason, maybe as a favor to him, I don't know, you said yes to meeting me. I, I don't even remember a single thing that we talked about when we met. I was just happy to be there. I, I remember bringing you to this like small conference room at, at Complex's office. And, you know, I guess it's the power of, of befriending good people because, yeah, to your point, Brian and I are close friends. And if he's vouching for you, then, then the least I could do was meet up. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to meet this high school student who I think is thinking about not going to college, but seemingly knows more about this industry of social and digital than any professional that I've ever worked with. So it's probably going to be an educational experience for me, but I remember, I remember, yeah, meeting up and just, you know, having my mind a bit blown, but Brian, for folks on this, uh, listening to this podcast, you know, Brian Sealander is arguably one, just one of the best people around, but two, one of the most connected people that I've ever had the pleasure of getting to know. So the fact that he was able to bring us together, uh, obviously is paying dividends for both of us, given we continue to chat, you know, four plus years later, man. So uh, you know, important moment for both in both of our lives. But, you know, it's also funny, too, because, yeah, you know, complex, I grew up with complex, but I'm probably or I probably was the least complex employee, given I'm not a sneakerhead. I, I don't follow pop culture that closely. You know, I listen to hip hop and it's more mainstream. So I don't know if you were expecting someone cooler given when when you walked in someone who know, probably owned more not. ethos the brand but yeah it definitely wasn't me so expectations have been met and exceeded every time i've spoken to you <laughs> rich who's been on the podcast and every other complex is they got some dope people that's <laughs> I, that, that's what i realized i, I promised to you know i listened to part of that podcast i promised to be not as vulgar as rich uh, norm, normally is so if the, if he's setting the bar there, I'll make sure I, I keep it a, a little lower than that. So <laughs> that's funny. All right. I've got I've got some questions for you, um, particularly relating to, you know, obviously your current job, head of sports at Instagram. When when you first got into that role, uh, you know, what what were some of the biggest things that you learned uh, about, you know, these athletes building brands, these companies building sports brands on Instagram that you didn't really know anything about prior? Yeah, I think I was fortunate in that this is my second go around at a tech social company and that I was at Google and YouTube for six and a half years. So even if it wasn't necessarily athletes investing in creating and cultivating their brands on YouTube as much as they were on Instagram, some of the principles applied and especially we're talking about aspiring and emerging creators that YouTube, you know, is really very popular for in, in their early heyday of, you know, early 2010s. And so some of those principles did apply. I think what I found, you know, given my personal social, social media usage at the time, this is 2018 when I joined the company, you know, I'm using YouTube, I'm using Instagram, I'm using Twitter, et cetera. But I don't know if I fully realized just how important and useful and preferred Instagram was and is to these athletes in terms of expression, in terms of engaging their fan base and all those things. And really almost how easy it is relative to other places and platforms, how easy it is for them to be able to do that 
um, and it's the thing that they're creating on between practices. It's the thing that they're on communicating with each other and with their fans. And so I found that out or I, I really uh, embraced that and, and felt that very quickly. Um, and so that was, that was a powerful one for me. And then as a big part of my job is how do we continue to cultivate that, uh, that environment and make sure that Instagram continues to be a place that they not only want to create, but they want to use and like to get value and then just using our service as a consumer like you and I. hundred percent. I feel like one of the, one of the crazy things that I guess is particularly Americans don't realize about sports on Instagram is I imagine soccer is the biggest sport in terms of, I mean, Cristiano Ronaldo is the most followers, Leo met like all these guys are, disproportionately more followed than LeBron and it's sort of a hard thing for Americans to wrap their mind around but I mean correct me if I'm wrong but soccer is the biggest sport on Instagram what what are the fastest growing sports on Instagram yeah so I mean to your point soccer global football you got to be careful which term you use when you're talking to certain colleagues <laughs> at, a, at our company but yeah it's definitely the biggest sport and and it's actually the beauty of of our platform and sports like that. And that the platform doesn't have any borders, right? So you could be a Lionel Messi fan in Argentina who then goes and follows PSG when he signs a new deal, right? Or Cristiano from Portugal uh, is going, you know, you can follow him and his journey again at Manchester United. And so uh, that to me is an incredible, powerful aspect of our platform is that it's truly without borders and that athletes have the ability to engage and cultivate fans from far beyond their own backyard. I was just talking to somebody at the, at the Utah jazz yesterday in same principle. Yes. You want to engage your fans in your backyard, but your backyard on social is literally the rest of the world. So how do you think about that as the opportunity in terms of, of other sports uh, you know, segments that, that are, are popular, that are rising, that are growing. Um, again, unsurprisingly, global football continues to grow. Combat and action sports also continue to grow. And yeah, and I think you're seeing a, that rise in popularity. And I would argue on Instagram, but also across social and digital, um, we have seen growth in action sports. And I would think no surprise, you have events like the Olympics and Paralympics, where more of those creators, participants are at the forefront of our platforms. Um, and, and, and you and I both know this having been in this industry, but sports like skate, skateboarding, et cetera, have long had like rich history on social platforms. And we're seeing that be a much bigger part of how Instagram is relevant to them, especially these individuals who now that skate actually is officially in the Olympics. As an example, this being a great place to connect to fans and the last one, not the last one, but another one worth calling out, if you want to put it in the realm of sports, is fitness and the fitness community that clearly during the pandemic, people were figuring out how do they engage their favorite fitness brands or favorite fitness creators, trainers, instructors. Uh, we obviously have seen growth within that segment, but I think that is that trend is here to stay and will last far longer than the pandemic, even when gyms open, et cetera, because you now have fans who can uniquely engage their favorite brands and, and instructors, but you also have those trainers, instructors, creators having unique ways to engage their fans too, beyond just let's show up at a class at you know 9 a.m. on a on a Friday. But hey, I can actually engage my favorite instructor, ask them questions, see what their routines are for all the other days of the week that I'm not necessarily in front of them watching them and trying to follow along in an actual class. Makes sense. Um, you know, one, one other sport, somebody said this to me a few years ago. Uh, they were like, you should start a cricket page. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a fan of cricket. I don't know anything about cricket. But then they were like, do you know how many people watch the biggest cricket matches? And I said, no. So I looked it up. A billion people watch the biggest matches. That is not true for any other sport <laughs> that I've seen. I mean, except for like the World Cup, right? I mean, when I go to India to visit my family and friends there, uh, yeah, I embarrass myself with my general lack of knowledge of that, of that sport. But when you go there and you realize that's, that's the thing, and that's only one of the many countries where cricket is firmly established. Australia uh, it, too, yeah. Absolutely. And, and look no you know, further in terms of sort of the, the proof points of 
of that sport and its future. I mean, the fact that there are any number of, of uh, investors in the United States who are trying to figure out how they can be meaningful, given you've got a lot of um, immigrants who have come to the United States who still have that interest or looking to cultivate that passion and that interest as well. Um, no, cricket is cricket is massive. And, and even if you look at some of the celebrities in that sport, uh, whether they're folks who play in India, the UK, Australia, et cetera, they are as culturally relevant as folks like LeBron James of the world, who we associate most closely with in America. They're the same level of rock star, so to speak, and folks are following along with them and, and enjoying their journey as well. So yeah, cricket is, um, I don't say it's a, it's a rocket ship necessarily, but I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about it moving forward, um, especially as more of that content comes on social and digital platforms. Good content, a lot of diving. A lot of, lot of action. Uh, I think it's inevitable, like when you look at how, you know, traditional football, uh, you know, was turned into, you know, major league soccer and, and other U.S. leagues, it's, it's inevitable that somebody's going to do it for cricket. Yeah, um, I, I, that it hasn't been done. It, yeah, and I, I don't know if it's because there are sort of distributed interests there and, uh, and folks haven't figured out a way to break through a, a very... Uh, noisy media landscape in the United States, but I think the people who are going to end up winning are ones who don't necessarily try to break through the traditional norms of, of our media landscape and actually figure unique ways to meet fans, you know, where they are and come up with different models. You know, I, I, I don't pretend to know the inner workings of, uh, of Paul Rabel's lacrosse league, but right. clearly he's trying to be an example of how do you build this differently, right? He can go do a deal with NBC sports but he can also figure out a way to creatively bring that league and its players to life on social and digital in a way that a lot of other leagues hadn't necessarily contemplated at their inception. And so I think that's where you might see quick growth in sports like cricket, even rugby as an example, which again has a much stronger footprint or foothold in other countries. And, and there is an appetite in this country, but I do feel like it's a bit decentralized and could probably stand to have a little bit more organization to take it to that next level. Totally. I, I think Paul is, is a really good example, though, of somebody who's sort of laid that blueprint that it's at least possible. Um, you just need that right superstar, right? So it's interesting. Uh, if you could see any athlete have social media during their prime, who would it be and why? Would you want to see MJ on social in the 90s? Would you want to see Wilt Chamberlain you know, on social back when he was in his prime score, what, what would he have posted on Instagram after he scored a hundred, probably that photo, probably the photo, right? <laughs> that photo. But like, is there any Babe Ruth? Like, is there anybody who you wish were on social Instagram in their prime? I think there were, I'm going to try to give a, yeah, I'm going to, I'll try to come up with a couple of names here. And I was asked this question a long time ago, and I think my, my answer has changed. There's three, three people I think that are top of mind today, and this might change tomorrow if you were to ask me. One, just based on watching the Last Dance docuseries, uh, Dennis Robin on social, uh, how, do you, how would you not want to follow along that guy's journey while he was playing in all of his on and off the court uh, endeavors, um, if endeavors using that term loosely. I think he's probably an obvious one and, and maybe a must follow uh, across different verticals, whether it's sports, entertainment, et cetera. So he's one. One um, of my best friends was actually running his socials for the last few years. <laughs> okay. Got, gotcha. Nice. So, okay. Maybe, maybe he still is worth the follow. I just haven't had the chance it's to do it follow. yet. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, uh, now I'll, I'll jump on that, that train after this call. Then the, the other two, and I think you'll agree because, you know, we're from sort of a couple of different generations here on this call. I feel like this guy who has almost a mythical status in sports from decades ago is Joe Namath. And what would Joe Namath have been like when he would, if he was running his own Instagram account in the heyday of when it was Broadway Joe and, and you see how relevant he still is to the community in New York city, but more broadly speaking, football, American football, I wonder what that would have been like given he was such a popular, if not polarizing figure. The last person, and I, I say it because I was having a conversation with a colleague, and again, this is probably a little before mine and your time, 
um, Monica Sellis. And so for those who don't follow tennis that closely, but Monica Sellis, uh, one of the more decorated female tennis players of all time, we have this, I think, uh, innate interest, especially on social, around teenage athletes. And people don't realize Monica Sellis, Coco Goff is a good example, right? Like prolific yep. success on social, some amazing on the court success too. Monica Sellis won nine Grand Slams while she was a teenager, nine, which is just an unbelievable number. And then she went through getting stabbed on the court during a match, having to go through long, difficult um, recovery and a borderline unbelievable comeback story to then come come back and win another Grand Slam. And so to be able to have experienced that through her personal lens and perspective and going on that journey. And again, as a teenage athlete with more success, arguably than any teen athlete has ever had in maybe any sport. I, I, I just, I, I'm like fascinated with the Monica Sella story in general. And I didn't realize until again, a few months ago, just how much success she had as a young person in that sport. I mean, nine grand slams is, is outrageous before yeah. you're 20 years old. I mean, people now like go crazy when somebody makes the quarterfinals at, you know, let alone wins like a bunch of majors. That's actually insane. That... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm waiting for some 30 for 30 to come out on Monica Sellis. I know her story has been well told in other places, but um, but I just I, I really did not realize the level of success she had at such a young age. And again, you know, this better than anybody as, as a teen or youth or sort of young professional athlete the the things that we get to see from their perspective on social media on instagram it's really special and and i wonder what that would have been like going through and feeling you were a part of her journey at that part of her career i think would have been a great follow a hundred percent some of the guys that i'm most interested in are those fringe players like the guys who are playing right before social media because they only like or maybe they caught it at the end of their career Somebody who comes to mind for me as a huge Yankees fan, Derek Jeter, notoriously mm. low-key under the radar, but like had a lot of fun for 20 years as the captain of the New York Yankees. That would be a, an act of social that I'd like to see. And it's funny, like him and him and Jordan, they still don't have personal Instagrams, you know? We've tried to broach that topic, I think, a couple of times with some of these folks who don't have social, like what if Kawhi had a social handle as well. Uh, some of these folks that have expressed, if not reluctance, you know, haven't had the motivation to do that. But it's funny because, I, I mean, you probably saw the news around, around Tom Brady sort of releasing his iconic brand. That could have been Jeter, right? Or that, maybe that still can be Jeter. I mean, he, yeah, he transcends sports in many ways. Um, and I believe, is, is he getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year? I want to say. Inducted. Just inducted. Okay, I might have missed yeah. the speech. But, I mean, again, one of these guys where if you're getting a near unanimous bid to get to the Hall of Fame, you probably do transcend baseball, sports, and, and frankly, your market, even though New York is the biggest market for baseball. So Yeah, now he uh, co-owns the uh, Miami team. Right. So, pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> what... <laughs> What do you think is the future of sports creators on IG? Do you think it'll, you know, you, you were at YouTube prior. Do you think it'll have a similar, you know, monetization layout? There'll be longer form videos still, you know, short, mostly short form vertical. What do you, what do you see as the future for like sports creators on, on IG? Yeah. So if you, if you take a step back and think about one of the goals for Instagram, and I would argue this is the case for other platforms, the goal is to enable creators, sports creators, to turn their passion into a living on our platform, right? And, and again, that applies to, to any number of platforms where people may be building an audience and trying to monetize. Instagram literally just hit its 11th birthday. Work to do in terms of helping creators monetize. We've had some, especially during the pandemic, some incredible product development to help, you know, sort of support that, that charter, as it were, whether it's the launch of, our first RevShare ads product that we hope will be meaningful in terms of being able to literally uh, do what creators have been able to do on other platforms like YouTube and monetize via ads. Um, but, but, you know, to compare to when I was at YouTube, I mean, that was, you know, nine plus years ago, 
it was just, hey, let me enable ads on my videos. That was the way people monetized back then by and large. Today, it might be, let me enable my fans to tip when I'm going live, or let me enable them to subscribe to me for exclusive content, to sell exclusive merch, or let me find a brand I can work with who cares about the same things I do and create content you know, that's branded or sponsored. So, so to me, in terms of your question around the future of sort of creators and monetization, I view it as, yes, Instagram is heavily invested in figuring out a way to turn those people's passion into a living, but also how do we do it in the ways in which they are already trying to satisfy and delight their fans in the ways in which they're doing that are much more diverse in 2021 than they were in 2011 when I first joined YouTube. So, so it makes it a little more complicated, but also that makes the opportunity that much greater. And as you know, I mean, you're, we're, we're doing a podcast right now, but you know, you've, you've created content for your fans and followers across God knows how many formats at this point, whether it's short form video, whether it's live, whether it's podcasting, whether it's IRL. I really sound like an ad for Facebook, but I started on (laughs) Facebook and then joined Instagram. And that's what I credit with my career. Seriously. Um, and that's, uh, so to your point, it works. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, and it's why we try to stay so close to, sorry about the lighting again, but yeah, it's why we try to stay so close to creators like yourself. And, and, and I I feel like creators almost diminishing all the things that you do. You're a creator, you're an entrepreneur, you're an influencer, et cetera. Um, but it's why we try to stay so close and keenly attuned so the things that you may need or view as opportunities because it is literally going to inform how an Instagram develops more products and tools to better serve you. And, and again, if you rewind a decade ago, which in many other industries is not that long a time, but if you rewind a decade ago, it was much simpler if you were a creator. It was, I create content for a platform. I can monetize via ads. I will make a check that I split with YouTube or whatever platform and that'll be the way I make money. And again, fast forward now, this creator economy that people are using, you know, as as a overused buzz term, mm-hmm. that creator economy is as diverse in who the creators are, but also all the different ways in which they can participate in the economy and how they can make money and on which platforms. And so Instagram needs to continue to be at the forefront of that. And I'm really excited to be here and helping inform how we can be better supporting creators in, the, in their communities. Yeah, I mean, there there are dozens of ways that somebody could monetize on just Instagram, right? Everything from uh, ad placement to a tip to a uh, partnership to a placement of a song on a video that nobody even knows is an ad. Like there are a million different ways. And across all of social, I bet there are 100 to you know 200 plus ways where creators can monetize their content. And also content, if it's good and evergreen, works everywhere right so you just fit it to those like you and you uh cross share it on platforms like facebook and and others so yeah and in you buster like i know you you know you're basically running your own media company right now so how do you figure out how to maximize those endpoints how do you figure out a way to maximize what you're creating and its utility across these platforms i mean we haven't even touched on something like commerce right which in the in the and which is in clearly an area instagram is invested in but you look at what's happening in the college athletic space with name image likeness. A lot of these athletes are creating brands that can, that can be tangibly felt by their audience. Go buy the shirt that they're creating in partnership with FanJoy. go transact with your favorite athletes. And that isn't exclusive to the LeBrons of the world. That is literally whether you're an 18 year old who just, you know, joined Ohio state as a freshman quarterback this is choose your own adventure uh, across any different amount of products, tools, platforms, et cetera. And, and fortunately for us at Instagram, you know, we know this is the place where, you know, where these athletes, they're holding onto the keys to their own car. They're by and large, not giving it to 50 different people to manage a, a very professional social media presence. These are the guys who are picking up their phone, shooting content and bringing their fans closer and that can unlock many monetization opportunities, again, whether you're an athlete, a creator, et cetera. Definitely. And again, back to the college kids, that is that same, you know, interest in young athletes that, you know, applies there. There are some 
some uh, you know college athletes that through you know NIL now are able to make millions of dollars, like millions immediately, like the flip of a light changes their lives forever. And a lot of these sports, like you don't go anywhere from rowing in college. Like, sure, you can theoretically go to the Olympics and do this and that, but it's not like you know you're uh, Steph Curry and you know you know you go from Davidson to the NBA and then become the greatest shooter in history. You know even if you're the best rower, people might not know you. Um, so for these kids to have that starting point, if you make five to $10 million a year and just put that in an index fund, you would make a living every year off of that. And I think it's amazing. Uh, I agree. And NIL is something that I personally, as a college sports fan, have thought about for years now as an industry professional, have been putting effort behind for the past year or so to make sure that these athletes turn content creators understand the value and they can gain out of, out of being on Instagram, engaging their fans on Instagram, et cetera. But, you know, it's so economically empowering to this generation. I've actually never seen before the level of entrepreneurism out of a generation of, of athletes and young people that I think is, is, being cultivated by the fact that there are all these options for how you can build brands and monetize. So there is just, again, a level of entrepreneurism and, and spiritedness around learning about how this works that I, again, have not seen in generations um, preceding the one that the ones that are hitting now in, in youth sports and in, in college and high school, et cetera. And, and I view Instagram again as being really powerful in that, in that narrative, but yeah, to your point, your monetization window, your brain building window might actually be maximized in college versus in the pros, right? I mean, look how many, look how many Heisman winners in college football ended up having relatively uh, unremarkable professional careers, but in their heyday in college were at peak relevance on a national, if not international level, right? I mean, the ability to be able to, to take advantage of that in various ways, but also in for the, the folks who just want to run, you know, want to run an in-person camp or during the pandemic, you know, you are the coxswain on Wisconsin's rowing team and you want to do virtual trainings for your fans who know that you're a part of an, a, an incredible program and you want to be able to engage with them and, and, and cultivate the next generation of rowers in your sport, being able to do that and being able to get compensated for that, I think, I think it's a great thing. I think it was overdue as a professional and as a fan. Um, and I'm just glad that, that there's more available to them now than there was before. And that Instagram and other social media platforms are even more relevant to them, not just as users themselves, but also in ways in which they can make a living, like I said earlier. A hundred percent. And the average you know, professional careers are two to four years, depending on the sport. So it's big. It's big. I feel like nowadays there are more, obviously there are infinitely more celebrities, but their career lengths are so much shorter. So it's about capitalizing on those. And, you know, a lot of people go for the home runs, like, let's just see how many followers I can get where, you know, I think at a certain point, everybody realizes that it's not about how many followers, followers you have. It's about the depth that you have with those followers. Um, so it's, yeah. in, it's important. Uh, to your point, you're, you're building a community, right? And, you know, we, we talk at times to, to various folks, you know, who are sort of on the, the latter stages of their careers or retired. And, you know, it's not as if you can't do these things. You've obviously missed some windows of time. And we actually invested a lot of resources prior to the Olympics and Paralympics with Paralympians and Olympians to say, you know, prime the pup now, get ready months in advance on social so that you can capitalize on when you're at your, your peak relevance, because then you're building your fan base and your business far beyond just the two to four weeks that you are literally performing your craft in front of a global stage. Because guess what? All these people will go to follow you on Instagram, on Twitter, et cetera, and be ready for that moment was, was a big one. Um, yeah, a big one for us. And one that I think it continues to resonate within the athlete community, but even take it to take it to a different, a different sport. I mean, you know, look at football or basketball, you know, you might be playing college, a college athletic or college sport and you get drafted to 
the Detroit Lions or the San Francisco 49ers or the Washington Wizards, you've now just potentially had an opportunity to engage a new fan base who has an inherent interest in you yeah. and your, your career arc can present these various opportunities to continue to build what is truly a global fan base. Um, and it's why so many athletes are followed by fans from countries around the world. But all of those moments in a, an athlete's career can represent opportunities to think about who your fans are, who your community is and how you can uniquely engage them. And I, I think that's true across all niches, right? Like the, the best example right now would be Squid Game, right? Mm. The number one Netflix show in like every country. The stars from that show went from like, I think the, the female star, she went from 400,000 followers to 16 million in under a week. It's unreal. And, and some of the other actors in that show didn't have socials. The star didn't have an Instagram until after they saw the growth of her. So think about, I mean, millions of dollars lost. Uh, you know, like she, the fact that she was already super active on social, had a ton of backlog of content, benefited her so extraordinarily, um, and now has you know, the value of having 20 diehard million fans on social. I mean, in, you can't even put it into words. Oh, absolutely. I, I did a, I can't remember the number, but I did a, an event with Brandon Marshall, former all pro ride receiver in the NFL, played for the Bears and the Broncos for a long time. And he talks very openly with the next generation of NFL athletes about how much money he left on the table by not doing certain things, whether it was off the field habits or whether not having an active presence on social digital, various partnerships. But now he has made tens of millions of dollars in his post-playing career by being intentional about those things. Right. And, Amazing. you know, every, yeah, and every athlete is different, right? Some of these, you know, for some, it really just might be, I want to be on social media to engage my friends and family. And that's all I care about. And that's great because not every athlete is built the same, there is no one size fits all, but when you're thinking about maximizing your earning potential, but also again, building those communities, intention is an important piece of that. Um, and even look at, you know, Naomi Osaka obviously um, is one of the most social media relevant uh, athletes in the world, but, you know, her, the first big peak in her growth, if I recall correctly, was that first US Open run where she ended up beating Serena in the finals. And that's what took her to a level that then she could, you know, in a foundation, she could then build upon and continue to grow and rise. And obviously her on the court success has fueled a lot of her off the court success, but, you know, how are you ready for the moment? Um, and how are you, how are you writing, your, writing yourself for the moment? Because those dollars aren't just coming from winning tournaments anymore. They're coming from everything around you, the sport, et cetera. Um, and, you know, look no further than someone like, Jeremy Lin way back in the day, you know, who yeah, was able to take, yeah, I mean, legend for, for Knicks fans like yourself. Exactly. Uh, that's uh, the best, that's the best moment we've had in the last 30 years. <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a Thibodeau believer personally. So I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that they get the playoffs again this year, but, <laughs> and also I'm a long suffering Wizards fan, although I'm, you know, I've enjoyed uh, watching them play, but, um, but unfortunately I feel like we're more in, the camp of uh, long-suffering Knicks fans than we are, uh, you know, Celtics, Sixers, other other franchises. So. You had Jordan in the wrong years. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Jordan on social. I honestly, one of the reasons I don't know if he'd be my first followers because I still, uh, you, you know, I still don't remember those years that fondly. I have, you know, probably selective memory, but uh, but yeah, Jordan were in 45 of the Wizards. I don't know if it felt like the greatest fit as a fan when I was watching, but um, but I'm obviously very biased. So, um, do you think that podcasts and sports podcasts will ever have a place on on Instagram? I think it already has a place, um, and it's just a matter of what the podcasters' goals are. You look at someone like JJ Reddick and his podcast; they have fifty thousand followers on Instagram, and I don't think he's posting full length apps but he is engaging his fans there. They are providing unique content that supports the overall goals of the podcast. So 
full length stuff, while I do think there might be a place for that on Instagram, and there are some who are probably just using it literally as another distribution um, endpoint, I think there are numerous things that podcasters can be doing to not only engage fans, but also build and find new fans using services like Reels. And so it's really almost to a degree just figuring out what your expression is on a platform like Instagram. And it, again, it may very well not be post your hour long you know, episode um, because that might not be the place where people are coming to enjoy that. And they're, but they are coming to enjoy a snippet or a soundbite, a soundbite that they can share with their friends and family uh, quickly on Instagram that might breed a new follower set of followers. Um, it might be, you know, a video of, you know, Shane and Sharp on a show, you know, uh, you know, exclaiming some hot take that is ripe for social, but that might be better suited than say posting a full length episode of a podcast or, uh, or even full length on air show for 30 minutes on, on a platform like IG or Facebook, et cetera. So yeah, I, I already think it has a place, but yeah, more short form stuff for sure. Yeah, just and listen to your audience, right? I mean, you know, and, I'll, and and I don't pretend to know all the places that people listen to podcasts. For me, like I'm going on a drive today, this afternoon for four hours. That's when I'm listening to my podcast. Or if I'm on the subway going going to work, that's when I'm listening to that stuff. I'm when I'm in, on Instagram, it's not the same behavior, but but if I can discover and and be reminded of what what content is available, and I can have something to sort of stoke my interest uh that flame around whatever i'm interested in that that can be useful and also not for nothing and and i know you know this buster but um that's from an organic perspective from a paid perspective too there are great tools on social media on instagram on facebook on youtube that can help you find new followers who are interested in who maybe aren't necessarily following your podcast but who may be inherently interested in the topics and verticals that you're programming toward and so how do you leverage some of those tools as well? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. What what are your best tips in terms of staying on top of algorithm changes? You know, would it be to like test new features constantly? Because what I've always found over the years is anytime there's a new feature, you use it, it works because <laughs> the platform wants you wants to incentivize you to use the new feature. Is that am I? Is that just happenstance or? I don't think it's happenstance per se, but I will, what I will say is to your point, Instagram specifically, but other social media platforms are pretty open about the things they care about in terms of priorities and products. So I would agree with you. It is well worth folks time to invest in those things, whether it's reels on Instagram that launched fully in August, 2020, whether it's commerce, which obviously want to have be a linchpin of the user and creator experience on Instagram but I sort of, I hedge all of that by saying, ultimately, it's still about what your audience wants to see and how they want to engage you. Like, how do you think about entertaining and delighting your fans? And I used this term earlier, you know, not one size fits all because media companies, creators, et cetera, have different objectives. They have different strengths, right? And those strengths might not be in creating super highly creative, unique short form reels. Yes. Instagram might be disproportionately looking for more of that content, but do what's right for your fans, I think is the number one principle. But, um, but again, if you, if you read the literature, if you follow Instagram's blog, YouTube's blog, they're pretty open about where they're making investments. And it's probably a prudent decision to, to look into what those things can provide to you as a brand, but yeah. also if that's a way that you can um, better serve your audience. Um, but, you know, but I think it's, it's not a, uh, it's not, I mean, it's not universally applicable to every single person who uses our service. That makes sense. You know, I remember there was a moment where Instagram launched Instagram polls. And if you put a poll on your story, you got like 20 times the views that you normally got, you know, going from like getting tens of thousands of views to hundreds of thousands of views just by putting a poll on the story. Um, and I find that that's even true now with like stickers and things like that. But it's just, it's really funny when there's random stuff like that, but for the, the bigger, like real stuff, obviously, um, you know, things like reels I've, I've even seen, you know, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Companies investing. No, to 
totally right. I mean, it's, it's it sounds honestly, it's not obvious, but uh, those are those are good uh, good indicators, I guess you could say, uh, of where where we're trying to go. And, and even more broadly, and this is you know a macro trend in our industry on digital and social, but that. God, I keep up going to use this term, but that quote unquote pivot to video that everyone has been referencing for the past six plus years, you know, that was a thing, right? And there are business interests that these platforms have that are associated with video, but it also has to do with expression on our platforms, right? And does the audience have an appetite to actually consume video relative to photo? And obviously we, I'm, I feel great about the fact that Instagram can cater to both, but it's, you know, make no mistake, like Instagram does care about video, Facebook cares about video, YouTube has cared about video since its inception. YouTube um, never had any love for photos. <laughs> Unless it was, uh, you know, listening to a song that was uploaded on YouTube, or there's just like cover art or something, there's no right. actual right. video playing while you listen. So right. yeah, that's <laughs> how a lot of people listen to music. Um, totally. Yeah, Calvi is one of them. So yeah, I, I have a whole like 700 song downloaded uh, <laughs> little collection of songs over the years. Um, long form writing. Uh, I know there are like Instagram blogs, like you mentioned and things like that, but for, you know, let's say a sports media brand or even, even a brand like Complex, right? Do you think that, uh, or I guess I'm, I'm surprised or maybe you can inform me if Instagram has done that because I would imagine Instagram doesn't want people to leave their site, but heading to somebody's webpage would get them to leave the site unless you could write that long form on Instagram. Yeah, well, to, to your comment generally about sort of leaving site and, and, and all those things, I mean, there are tools obviously that can drive those business interests where you might go to someone's own, own, own and operated platform and, and enjoy that content. And we actually are, are investing in looking at how do we make that functionality more accessible to the user base um, reverses, let's say, folks who have a certain follower threshold or, or established media companies who we know have those dot coms, et cetera. But in terms of long form writing and its, its place on Instagram for sports brands or creators, I, I honestly don't know. I think given, you know, just seeing what's where these companies have invested. I mean, Instagram's roots are so deeply embedded in the visual aesthetic. I don't know if it will necessarily cater to long form writing. Although I say it almost ironically, given you just had Stefan Gilmore post his, you know, his uh, farewell to the Patriots fans on social as a written post. Um, so it's not as if even if though it's a visual, it's like a written, it's the written word in a visual. Yeah. Pretty long character count. Yeah, totally. So, so there are some ways to express yourself through the written word, I guess you could say, but I do think it's awesome. Just generally speaking that you have Facebook and bulletin, you have Substack. There are these meaningful places and ways that are giving athletes and others different ways to express themselves. I mean, look at it from an athlete perspective, you got Sloan Stevens, you have Aaron Andrews, those folks of the world who now through these services are able to express their brands and, and their opinions uh, in unique ways that, that add to how their fans can, can enjoy them, follow them, um, be a part of their communities. And so again, I don't know if Instagram will, will necessarily be a place like Facebook bulletin or like Substack. Um, there are obviously opportunities for, for, um, for writing and written word to express themselves, but I'm just personally happy that there's more out there because as someone who grew up reading print journalism, uh, who's used to opening up, you know, the paper, the Washington Post on Wednesday to read a Tony Kornheiser article. Uh, I'm glad that it's, I don't know, it's, it's having its comeback. I'm just glad that, uh, that those things are read, more readily available than they were the athletic um, as in, you know, another example. And, and I personally get to enjoy that in a very different way than I enjoy opening up Instagram and watching a bunch of videos and other content. I remember back when two moments in Instagram history that shook the, the space when they added video and it was still the like count instead of views. That was like, oh, Instagram is videos <laughs> now, like only like the little square videos you couldn't did. There was only one size, I remember. And then when Instagram added Instagram stories, people were like, 
oh no they're ripping off people are so funny it just takes them people just don't like change i think it doesn't even matter that like it's in their best interest or it'll literally benefit their life um but i those those two moments you know instagram's sort of chronology or discography if you will were like whoa you know this this i don't need to for me i was like i don't need to spend as much on facebook i can spend more on instagram mm-hmm. There are some seminal moments that, yeah, again, you know, I don't say I've changed the trajectory of these companies, but are sort of those big aha moments. And, you know, it's funny because I'm again talking to God. You're basically a historian in this space, uh, given how much you've, you've lived this and you've Only seen it. Only a few years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something I so much has happened in that, in that yeah. period of time. But, you know, I think the principle, the underlying principle, whether it's a Snapchat and creating that format, whether it's a TikTok, you know, creating a format that people are are enjoying. It's it's actually how do you, how do platforms like Instagram listen to the market, listen to the needs and opportunities and challenges of content creators, of users, and what they enjoy, and provide a better experience. And to me, that's what it's all about: is enabling a better experience as a fan and as a creator to express yourself, to build community, to bring people closer to you. So. Stories, I mean, it is the superpower of athletes, right? Because that is truly like the point and click. And guess what? A shit ton of fans come to get that ephemeral content on a daily basis because athletes are comfortable expressing themselves and they get that content through a format that is unique from what you would might see in feed or in reels, et cetera. Um, but I think that's, again, the underlying principle that uh, that is really about serving the audience and serving the creators. And so that for what's happened in the past, you know, three, five, 10 years, there'll be more product development over the next three, five, 10 years that tries to do just that. And fortunately, unfortunately, that's sort of the speed of light that our industry is moving at. So, so we're going to have to try to stay ahead of it as much as we can and read what's happening with users and creators and try to play into their preferences. And, you know, for me, part of those preferences were, okay, Instagram had content up to one minute. Well, there is clearly an appetite for people to enjoy content that's more mid-long form. How do we cater towards that? That happened in 2018. Look at the past couple of years. People have a real appetite for more creatively expressing themselves and consuming even more short form in a, in a different way, swiping up um, with what TikTok has been able to find success on great. Let's serve fans. We don't have to pick one or the other all the time. We can actually create a more robust, comprehensive, enjoyable experience. That makes sense. No, a hundred percent. It's been really, it's been really fun to see. And, and, uh, you know, over the years, how the platforms have developed and adjusted and, you know, adapted things from each other. Like I never thought, I thought Instagram stories were the easiest you could ever make content. And then I got these um, the glasses that Facebook came out with, uh, their collab collaboration with Ray-Bans. Mm-hmm. And it just made me realize how much easier it's going to get one day, you know, to where you don't even think. You just have to say, like, or you just have to think for that <laughs> post, and then it posts. Like, the Ray-Bans aren't that far off. I tell it to take a photo or hold down the thing, and it takes a photo, and it's on my phone. Like... I thought Instagram stories were the furthest we, we could go. <laughs> Obviously, I was wrong. No, to your point, maybe it may not even require taking your phone out anymore necessarily uh, to, to, to shoot stuff in the wild. But again, that's these developments are not very far off. And that's where the innovation is at, I think, an all-time high, uh, which, is, which is amazing. And, and maybe the world's more ready for it in 2021 than they were in 2011. Um, and when some of the companies were starting to think about these different kinds of opportunities or, or environments even. So I'm really excited for what, for what that future holds. Um, and I'm curious to see yeah, where your head goes when it comes to all the things that you're juggling, when it, when it comes to creating content and engaging and engaging your fans and how you're making decisions. Cause yeah, the Ray-Ban stories thing uh, is, is wild. Um, I, I wonder if it's going to inspire you to think about different formats or franchises or things like that to help, to help, entertain your fans in ways that you may not have been able to do before either totally now there are a lot of a lot of things about that that makes people a little bit more comfortable and it's it's true that like 
five per somebody being five percent more comfortable in a video makes it dramatically better like it's insane how far it goes somebody you know having being more comfortable that there isn't a giant camera in their face you know that and they're like smile you know it's like it, it's more some people don't even know uh, obviously you tell them you're filming and it has a little light but it's not uh as in your face it doesn't feel like as many people are going to see it as they're going to see it yeah you it's it's a, a little unrelated but i would say sort of tangentially related when we first met, you told me the story, and I, I will literally never forget it because you were giving me your play-by-play on as a high schooler starting to create a community and create content. And you said you had this, and I feel like your audience, if they haven't heard already, maybe they have, and I'm just you know, reiterating or regurgitating, but you, had, you, you made this comment to me about how one day you decided you were going to go live and you were going to just start like broadcasting to your fans. And I don't remember your exact term, but it was something along the lines of like, the first time you did it, it was like effing terrible. And (laughs) it was like the worst thing that you felt like you've ever created your entire life. And you wanted to like jump back under the covers and crawl into a ball and, and, you know, shut the world out. But then you said the, and maybe it was, I think you said the most important thing that you did after that, was you went live again and you just said, okay, I'm going to try it again. And it got better and it got better. And your fans, you know, started to, to create their own behavior of, well, Hey, Buster's going live. Like I'm going to, I'm going to tune in and maybe it started off as cringeworthy and it turned into shit. You and I 2021 doing a podcast together, but I just, I'll never forget that story because one, I think it just illustrates that this journey as a content creator, as a brand, it ain't easy. Um, and, and you have to go through some bumps in the road, but that was one of the lasting memories I've had about our very first interaction, which I hope your fans can take that away from this podcast, given I have no insights to deliver to your fans, but That's I can, only, I can, I can at least share your story on your behalf <laughs> if you haven't already, because I think it's an incredible story. Um, and hopefully it's inspiring to who I imagine to be a lot of fans of yours who are actually aspiring content creators themselves. You know, I, I think about it. It's like there, there are two types of creators on, on social, right? There are those who had, um, you know, the foundation of being an athlete or a college athlete or a professional athlete. And then there are those who had no foundation at all. I didn't make my basketball team my sophomore year. So I started broadcasting the games instead. So like you always, and that was like a foundation, but nope, nobody knew who I was. Nobody even listened to the games, but just saying that, you know, I had won best in the country for play by play, which I did my junior year um, was enough for like, just in whatever way you can try to get an ounce of credibility um, when you're, when you're younger. And then, you know, just the rest is persistency, but, uh, or just persistence in general, but I have so much respect for the people who were able to build social followings without having that foundation um because i i i know how how difficult it can be and and you know to that story which i i didn't even remember that's hilarious um and it's very true i was probably even uh underselling how how terrible those early streams were um but maybe maybe bring back the archives let's uh i have them (laughs) i have them i have them in a dropbox folder somewhere uh because somebody uh i think whistle sports we did um we did a little doc on, on my high school years together, like two years back. And they asked if, if they could have that footage. So it's in there. Um, it's just so crazy. Wow. I can't even think about it without cringing. But <laughs> I had to, to get access to Facebook Live. They didn't have it on pages. They only had it in specific countries. Mm. So I just made an account and said I was from one of those countries. <laughs> so I was going live on Facebook before any news company, anybody in the United States. And I think that's wow. one of the reasons why I got a little bit of a head start. And then all these sports pages were like, how do you do that? I don't know. I just do it. <laughs> uh, and then they started having me stream on their pages and I would do it for free uh, in exchange for being able to promote, you know, my new basketball outlet, which was the one right before Hoops Nation. And then eventually that's how I was able to grow Hoops Nation a little bit. So 
just gotcha. funny how funny how it goes but you know the point there is i it, i have a lot of respect for for the thousands of creators who are able to build in their niche without any you know foundation of being on somebody else's network right yeah um, and a ton of respect for for the other people too it's just two different two different worlds and i think the post-athlete career is incredibly difficult and the pre-career is also incredibly difficult um you know so just all different stages but worth thinking about for everybody yeah and also thinking about you know how hard are you willing to hustle because again uh by sheer fact that we got connected through someone and, and again we mentioned brian earlier but brian is not only one of the most connected people he's one of the most um astute hardworking people and so it's almost like a game recognized game kind of deal where he recognized how how hard you were willing to work and had already worked that he would be willing to make again further introductions because it would, they would be useful to you they'd be useful to me they'd be useful to him to whoever else but um that's probably something that is worth you sharing with your fans at some point is is how how hard your your hustle actually is because you know, the easier it looks for folks on social and digital, the harder it probably is to make it look that easy. Um, and I can probably say that's the case for you since you're, uh, since you're grinding on a daily basis. Yeah. You know, you say that about, about like the great NBA players all the time, like the, you know, the easier the game looks for them, the better they probably are. And those are the players, you know, that are going to be all time legends. Right. Um, and I, I think those things definitely apply to social. Um, but you know, it's just as much important and you've done this your whole career, but, you know, doing the things that you enjoy, right. That's 99% of the battle. In my opinion, like I was a terrible student because I didn't enjoy it. I was a great <laughs> basketball fan because obviously I enjoyed it. I was a really good fan. Um, and I, you know, enjoyed broadcasting and, and still do and things like that. But, um, I, I think we're lucky to, uh, yeah. To be, well, I would say one of the few people, but, you know, a smaller percentage than is ideal to be able to marry some of our passion with our professions, as it were. And, you know, you hope more people have the opportunity to do that. I know it's, you and I could glamorize what we do for a very long time, but I think we also know that it's the unglamorous stuff about our roles that sure. actually makes us even more successful, hopefully, in, in finding success, rather. Um, so yeah, a lot of that stuff that people will never see that you're having to do and focus on, uh, especially for you as a content creator. I'm curious not to put the mic back on you, but since you are so prolific across social and digital and engaging your fans and building your brands, do you have a wish list for the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the YouTubes of the world for what you would like to see in order for you to continue evolving your brands and being able to better serve, you know, and, and delight your fans? You know, I, I think um, I think the biggest thing that people on Instagram always tell me, and it just always comes back to this, there's no, uh, it's very difficult to get support on Instagram as like a creator, a page or brand or anything. You need to have personal relationships, really, you know, if you want to have any sort of contact. Um, and I think that's been one of the biggest things, not for me necessarily, but for other people. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, if there was like a support email thread channel, et cetera, um, that that would dramatically change like tens of thousands of creators' happiness levels and like comfort levels. Because I've even heard this, and it, obviously, again, I'm talking more about other people than myself, but like, there are people, and this is for other platforms too. Like I saw this tweet from a girl on YouTube who lost her account that was wrongly uh, deactivated. They said she like is a hockey player and they said that there was like nudity on her page and they deactivated it and there was no support, right? So those, like the fear of those sorts of things, if you do go full-time in these social mediums, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. It's like getting fired on the spot. And then, you know, I, I think that's, that's sort of the best thing that I can, I can say. And um, yeah, it's an area that, I, you know, they're obviously over a billion users in the platform, but the benefit of Instagram, and 
people take it. It's so meaningful to them, whether it's in their day-to-day lives and connecting with friends, fam- friends and family or building their brands and their businesses. And, and how do we continue to do a better job of delivering support, avoiding some of the, the mistakes where, yeah, an account might be wrongly deactivated or given a strike, et cetera. And there's definitely work to be done there um, and, and not just focusing on, you know, on the, the head of, of the user base, the partner base, et cetera, because a lot of people are trying to build, turn their passions into livings on our platform. So they are trying to make sure they can connect with their friends and family across the world. And it can be, it can be frustrating. It's been been personally frustrating at times too, but I almost feel like case in point on what you're saying and, and, and now I'm remembering it after a few months, but given, you know, Buster, you you and I go back for at least four plus years now. And, uh, and obviously you've developed such a substantial series of businesses on social and digital. I remember texting you because I got this email and and thank you. Thank thank you in advance for not sharing, you know, my, my email or, or personal content information, but but I got this email from this guy who's calling himself Buster Share, And the email looked so similar to what your email is. And I was like 90% of the way to responding to this note and like helping with this request. And <laughs> it turned out to be, unfortunately caught it, I think as I texted you, like I was like, hey, yeah. this, can you just confirm this thing? And you responded like, I don't, I didn't send you an email and I was 90% of the way there because you're obviously a buddy of mine and I wanted to to try to help, but it goes to show you, I think um, the need, but also even some of the desperation and people trying to figure out ways creatively to get support or get a response. And that one was actually malicious. That was someone who was trying to do something, do some sort of malicious activity, but leveraging uh, Buster's, good name to try and get somebody on the inside to do it but it was crazy i i'm, I'm so grateful that you responded to me so yeah, quickly because i was like i was like i'm about to hit submit uh let me check with buster real quick over text and then thank god that saved me but um but yeah i think it illustrates your point you a little bit you should have just been like yeah let's just hop on zoom real quick and and then, <laughs> and then it'll be good see who joins <laughs> <laughs> totally <laughs> Man, Buster's changed his appearance a lot over the past couple of years, you know? Uh, yeah, LeBron James yeah. joins the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. But no, I appreciate your feedback there too. Because again, I, I think there are areas for us to improve. And, and I'm sure your fans and, and fellow content creators uh, appreciate you representing their interests too. Because, you know, we are trying to get better at, at delivering support and, and just feeling like people can, can invest on Instagram, but also feel like they're being rewarded for that investment as well. You know, the only other thing that I would say is Instagram is the only platform Hoops Nation isn't verified on. Oh, man. I was waiting to see when verification would come up. <laughs> so tough. It's, it's, it's the last one. Everybody else hooks it up. Even Facebook. Even <laughs> Facebook. The same company. Uh, we, we, can, we can talk offline about, uh, about if, how we can put you in a position to get verified for, for all your listeners, people tuning in for the record. Uh, I do not have the, 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 the control. I don't, I don't have the, the, I don't have access to the switch that can get flipped. If I did, I'd be the most popular person to work at Instagram. People, uh, people ask me how to get verified. So I can only imagine how many people ask you. And I said, I think I said this to Adam as well. Like, that has got to be the most annoying question ever of all time for anybody who works at any social platform. One of my best friends used to work at Instagram, uh, Chase Elman. And I mean, the amount of people that would ask him, like it's mind blowing. So it's mostly a joke, but, um, but. Uh, that blue check mark, there's something about it, right? So. People uh, are willing to like jump off a bridge for it. It's the craziest <laughs> like ridiculous thing that it doesn't matter like it does but it doesn't it's just the weirdest thing ever i i agree i get it gets even weirder for me when it's i get a message from an athlete or or a or an influencer content creator and it's like hey uh my girlfriend's brother is an aspiring dj and really needs to get verified on instagram i'm like 
I'm like, this is actually where I'm glad I don't have the controls to do this yeah. because <laughs> I respond to that. Uh, so, and look no further too than I'm not verified on Instagram. So there is a bar um, that, you know, one has to meet and, and, uh, and it's, it's applicable across the board, but yeah, I can't tell you the amount of um, that DJ example is a real life example. Uh, and there are many permutations of that example that I'll receive on a nearly daily, if not weekly basis. So for all your listeners, unfortunately, if you DM me, I'm happy to respond and make your acquaintance. But unfortunately, that is a request I would not be able to fulfill <laughs> on your behalf. You know, if if I had the golden, if I had the uh, the diamond button or whatever, I would be like Oprah. I would just be, I would just be throwing it out to everybody. <laughs> Anybody that asks, you got it. Just be, you get a check. You get a check. <laughs> That's your newest uh, content franchise, right? Like your your sweepstakes and running for who's going to get verified and make their make their years. So imagine it was a lottery. It <laughs> <laughs> was a verification lottery. Yeah, no, that 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 sounds very Black Mirror esque <laughs> verification lottery. <laughs> Who gets to live? Who gets to go to the next round? Seriously. Uh, yeah, we'll probably will be on the next, you know, the next season of Black Mirror. Whenever that comes out, great show, by the way. I'm, I'm, I love it uh, in all its hey. commentary. So, <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. Uh, obviously, you know, there's nothing really to promote because everybody already uses Instagram. It's one of the very, <laughs> it's one of the very few things where everybody already uses it. So, Keep using it, everybody. Uh, and thank you so much again for doing this. This was really fun. No, man, thank you for having me. I know this is a little bit overdue. Uh, so I appreciate you being uh, patient with me as I try to get my schedule sorted. But like I said, above all else, you know, glad you and your family are, are safe and healthy. I am hopeful that we will have the occasion to do this in person sometime sooner than later, whether it's you coming down to the DC area and me coming back to New York anytime soon. I uh, really appreciate you having me, man. This is just this is a fun way to spend a Friday morning. You know, I might've preferred, uh, uh, you know, an adult beverage over a coffee, but I guess I should probably wait until a little <laughs> later in the day, but no, man, it's great to see you and great to see, uh, everything that you've been doing and, and, uh, and following you on your journey. So again, for your fans, like they might be listening in to hear some of my commentary, which, um, they should probably just ignore and focus on your story because it is 10 times better than my story. I promise you that. Well, I would disagree, but I appreciate you <laughs> saying that. Uh, again, thank you so much. And for everybody else, see you next time. Peace. All right, man. Have a good weekend. See you.